The Leafs podcast with no name may contain coarse language and may not be suitable for all listeners. Audience discretion is advised. This episode of the Leafs podcast with no name was recorded on September 29th, 2019. Therefore, these events as described in the podcast might no longer be accurate as opposed to what had happened at that moment. And welcome to another episode of the Leafs podcast with no name. My name is Paul Sacconi. Joining me, like you did last time, Matt Labonich. Hello. And joining us for the very first time, hopefully for the longest time, Mr. Robbie Diltz. Hello, everyone. You totally almost, so we've said, got... you totally almost said for the last time. Yeah. <laughs> so, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. First things first, and I'm just going to say this for Robbie, we can and we have. Mitch Marner, somehow, you know, Matt, we were talking about it on the last time around, you know, no way Mitch Marner signs before the season starts. Then we stop recording, I take the dog out, I come back in to you sending me a screenshot of that Elliot Friedman's tweet Marner, six years in Toronto. Done. Well, see, the best because, part about you know, that was before you walk your dog is you're like, after we signed off, I think it was, you're like, he's probably going to sign right after I post this. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. That's exactly what happened. So Mitch Marner, six years, $10.893 million per year. Uh, my initial reaction is right now, the cap hit sucks no it definitely does for sure um but you know it was probably gonna happen regardless uh just because brandon shanahan early last year and this is probably what puts the leafs in this situation he goes on national television in front of like a dozen some odd media microphones and, many- and says, oh, yeah, we totally expect Matthews, Nylander, Marner to take discounts. In not so many words, but he essentially said it. That's yeah. the thing that ends up screwing the Leafs money-wise for the next I, little bit. Well, I think what he actually said was um, he expects players to take a discount so they could win. Yeah, but you know what the implication was. It was. At and the I time he had... As soon as he said that, Marners and Matthews and Nylander went, we're making bank, screw you. Yeah. So, you know, let's just go through the numbers real quick for their top four players. Austin Matthews is making 116 for the next five years. John Tavares is making 11 for the next six years. Marner's making basically 11 for the next six years. Nylander making basically seven, 6.9 for the next five years. And meanwhile, the only defenseman we have signed next year is Morgan Riley. How bad did he get hurt taking that puck the other day, by the way? Uh, Morgan Riley? Yeah. I haven't heard anything on any injury fronts. I can do a quick search right now, but... He left the game. I haven't hit, heard anything about He got hit the puck and left the game. 
that was probably for I don't know because I haven't heard anything about an injury. So, like, I don't know if he actually got hurt or if it was one of those things where it was like, uh, okay, I'm bruised to shit and I'm leaving for like now, and you know, because it's preseason, or if he actually got hurt. hurt. Yeah, I didn't see um, anything on it either. Yeah, I haven't seen anything, so I'm so, gonna say that he's okay. Mary. Because I imagine any injury reports would be out by now. Maybe they're waiting until game day on Wednesday to see what the full status is. But I, this is the first time I'm even hearing of Morgan Riley being potentially injured. So, Well, like I said, he left the game when he got hit with the puck the other day. Okay. So I, I just um, I don't truly pay attention to Leafs that much. You know that? Like, <laughs> in that yeah. capacity? So like I didn't know if he actually got hurt or if it was like a precautionary thing where like you know he got hit he left and he came back later. I would imagine it was a precautionary measure because like I said I haven't heard anything otherwise. Yeah, I suppose if you get so stuff you guys would be like listening to Toronto media cry their eyes out right now. Basically, <laughs> yeah, Toronto media. You know, for all the faults that Leafs fans get, Toronto media is the worst of it all because they, they take anything and they blow it up to the extreme that is necessary. So if they win, it's like if they're on a small winning streak, like four or five games are like, Oh my God, the leaves are fantastic. And then they're on like a two to three game slump fire. Everyone, you know, <laughs> like that's pretty accurate. Toronto media and fans treat their team worse than any sports team in any sport out there. And this is coming from a guy who's a fan who, back in the 80s, their team got batteries thrown at them. Like, I'm an Eagles fan and a Phillies fan, and our guys threw batteries at their players at one point. You guys treat your fa- like teams worse when it comes to the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, I can see that. And trust me, I've been guilty of it this entire saga. Uh, it's... <sighs> I, I, I don't want to make any excuses. It's just the Leafs fans, I want to say, are passionate to an extreme fault. That's yeah, what that's, I'll say. That's a nice way of saying you guys are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we chased we chased Kessel out of town for Kasperi Kapanen and a couple of spare parts, you know. Um, and at the time, he was the best player you guys had legitimately. At that time, Yes. And you chased him right to a Stanley Cup, so it worked out for him. But back to back Stanley Cups, no less. How does that make you feel? He was, uh, you know what? He took the cup to children's hospitals, despite in Toronto, despite all of that. So you know what? I, no, and I can't it say it sucks uh, that we could. It sucks that we couldn't get him there. But at the same time, you know, you can't help but feel like you know. He has earned it. He put in the time for sure. Yeah, and so. I have to say, as a friend of Paul for a number of years, yeah, he was happy for Phil when he won. He was a little pissed off that it wasn't with the Leafs, but he was happy for Phil himself. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the Leafs aren't going to have a team next year. Uh, I just want to go through everyone who, as of this moment, is signed to a contract for the 2021 for the 2020 to 2021 season. Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Kerfoot, Janssen, Kapanen. Jury is still out on Mikheyev. He'll be an RFA. 
Trevor Moore, Nick Patan, uh, Kenny Agostino, Morgan Riley, uh, Rasmus Sandin has an ELC. Uh, sounds like he'll be part of the team opening night. So congratulations to Rasmus Sandin getting that promotion. Frederick Anderson and Zach Hyman. And of course, Travis Dermott is also an RFA. I would say that's the strongest foundation for a Leafs team in the last decade. And you'll still get bounced in the first round. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I can't wait till we get over that hump. Yes, I totally Because until then, I'm just going to be like, yeah, we got a strong team, but, you know. Us as Leafs hopeful really wish that, you know. This year might we, we we always say that this year might be our year, but it's like you know something's got to be done to get out of the first round, and it's got to be either you know Kyle Dubas has done a lot to change up the defense. You know I think Morgan Riley is the only one on the team right now that was there last year, so he's done a lot to kind of change things up, and I'd like to think that it has worked out to an extent, but we're really only going to know midway through the season down to the stretch if it's done anything. And of course, a lot of that has to do, a lot of that has to do with how Mike Babcock puts this team together on the ice. I'm just happy you finally listened to me and started to realize what I've been saying. And that is your defense is bad and you will never outscore it, especially in the postseason. I've been having that argument with you for like two years now, and you're just kind of like, no, we could do it, and now you're just finally like, it's our defense. We've got to fix that. Son of a bitch. Well, I've, I've known it's been the defense for a while. I've like, known it needed tweaking. I didn't think it needed wholesale purge, you know? <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, okay, you know, once uh, once Gardner and Zaitsev are gone, you know, it's a little shaky, but it's doable once we get rid of those two pylons over there. And then it's just like, oh, we're just going to get rid of everyone. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but no, uh, things are, things are different in Leafland this year, especially hanging around that blue line. Uh, yeah. Leafs finished up their preseason, ended up going five and three. We're just going to go through the games. Super quickly, uh, first game was on September the 17th against the Ottawa Senators. They dropped that contest 3-1. to one. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen scoring the lone Leafs goal off a of Mitch Marner assist. And by the way, to anyone who's thinking, oh, I'm going to boo Mitch Marner anyways, no. He barely missed training camp. Okay, he barely missed training camp. He, ha- he didn't miss a single game like it's over and done with leave him alone it's not Nylander where it's like oh it's two minutes until the deadline I'll sign now then and let's not forget that as you just said he had the uh, one of the only like he assisted on the only point in the first freaking game so it obviously didn't affect him personally that much so then the next night it was, again, in the Ottawa Senators because they do a home-and-home home schedule. Uh, and this time, Ottawa took that game 4-3. to three. 
uh, Austin Matthews scoring two goals, William Nylander getting two assists, Andreas Janssen, Nick Patan, Matt Reed, Morgan Riley all getting an assist in their own right. Nick Shore getting the third goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Michael Hutchinson was saved 17 out of 20 shots. And Brandon Halverson was perfect in his third period performance. So, again, the first two games of the preseason, they don't necessarily count. Just because it's the only thing people are worried about is, can they skate? I mean, theoretically, none of the preseason really actually matters, but I mean, I get what you're saying. (laughs) But as it goes on, you get a clearer idea of what teams are going to look like come opening day. The first, like, like, 10 games of the season don't really matter all that much either, because even at that point, you're still kind of going, will this line actually work or not? Oh, Matt, I think we lost you in the middle of that question. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. I just lost you in the middle of that. I was just saying, like, realistically, the first, like, ten games of the season or so are the same way, because you're still trying to figure out, will this line actually work? Yeah. Except once we're in the first ten games of the season, it actually starts to matter. So, you know. Yeah, but... So, anyways... You could lose the first ten games of the season and still recover from that. Of course. I mean, look at the St. Louis Blues. They were in last place on January 3rd ended up winning the cup. So anything can happen. So anyways, on September the 20th, uh, it was a home and home against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, This time it was the Maple Leafs taking it three to nothing. Andreas Janssen, Austin Matthews, Matt Reed, all getting goals there. Kenny Agostino, William Nylander getting assists. The same with Matthews and uh, Janssen. Uh, Rasmus Sandin getting that other assist. Uh, Freddie Anderson and Michael Hutchinson all perfect on 31 shots. Great stuff. Great stuff. Then the second half of the home and home, uh, they ended up splitting the series. Buffalo would take this one five to three for the Leafs. It would be Pierre Engvall, Trevor Moore, and John Tavares scoring goals. Kasperi Kapanen and Jake Muzzin getting two goals apiece, or two assists apiece, rather. Frederick Gautier rounding out the assist column. Uh, the goaltenders for that game were Michael Neuverth, who has since been released from his professional tryout contract. Uh, he was 20 for 22, and Hutchinson was 7 for 9. See, I think Hutchinson is the right choice to be back up for the Leafs, in my opinion. See, I don't think so, and we'll get to that, and we'll get to why in a minute. Okay. Then it was, just to make things really simple, we're just going to blast through the rest of these. I'll get into the scoring stats for the rest of the preseason in a minute. So it was a home-and-home against the Canadians, and in both of those games, Toronto would win three to nothing. And then they wrapped it up with... They wrapped it up with a home-and-home against the Red Wings. In the first game, the Leafs would win it 4-3 to in a shootout. And then and then on Saturday, the Leafs would end up winning the preseason, their last preseason game, in a big way, toppling the Detroit Red Wings 
five to nothing. That that so. is amazing. <laughs> but it's not like they beat a real team. So let's go through all the scoring leaders. Uh, there with three points. I'm just going to go with the top three, even though there was a tie in there. So with three points, these are all the players who got three points in the preseason. It was Morgan Riley, Kasperi Kapanen, Matt Reed, Mitch Marner, and Nick Patan, all of them getting three points. And then with four points each, it was Trevor Moore, John Tavares, William Nylander, and Andreas Janssen. Standing head and shoulders above the rest, with five goals, three assists for eight points, Austin Matthews, the preseason scoring leader for the Toronto Maple Leafs. In terms of goalies, and I'm going to get into why Hutchinson might not be the strongest choice. Uh, and again, I understand he was on, he was the starter for the B team, I guess we could call them, for these games. But it's worth saying regardless. Uh, Freddie Anderson was 80 for 81 on saves. He ended the preseason with a .3 Goal against average, uh, a 988, 988 save percentage, uh, two shutouts, three wins, no losses. But we all knew that was going to come from Frederick Anderson. We all of expected course. that. Now to Michael Hutchinson. And again, I get it. He was the starter for the B team, I guess that we could say. So we probably shouldn't read too much into it. But he played in five games. Uh, faced 82 shots, so just one more than Anderson. He let in seven goals. So a 2.35 goal against average, uh, 9.15 save percentage, one win, one loss, but that win was a shutout. Yeah, but to be fair, those, everyone else, those stats aren't exactly bad either. They're not bad, but they're not great either. Uh, and again, everyone else played one game, and a lot of it was just the one period. Michael Neuverth, the only person who played more... Uh, sorry, it was Michael Neuverth and Joseph Wool, the only two people who played longer than one period. Or Joseph Wall, rather. rather. Uh, Neuverth was let in two out of 22... Uh, Wall let in one out of eight, eight. and then Kaskisuo let in one out of five, and then finally Halverson, who we've already talked about, faced six shots, turned them all away, but he played the least out of anyone. He played 18 minutes, 51 seconds. So it looks like it's going to be Hutchinson. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more of Neuverth. I would have liked to have seen what he could do, but it looks like they're looking at Hutchinson for the backup goalie. Uh, I should mention Garrett Sparks, who, as we know, was traded to Vegas. He was actually placed on waivers. So, I don't know. 
I would prefer that the Leafs kind of explore the, the waiver goalie market to try to look for a goaltender. But I wouldn't be upset with Hutch, provided he improves moving forward. Again, I just want to see I'm sure if I would. <laughs> see, if Sparks has his confidence back, I wouldn't mind. I've always said that I've liked Garrett Sparks, but his confidence just led to him making so many dumb mistakes in net. Yeah. So, opening week looks something like this for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, or I know what you. I know what I meant to say. Opening week looks like this for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, to be fair, they swapped. To be fair, they swapped so many players in the offseason. It's hard to tell the difference anymore. <laughs> the Maple Leafs are the good team in Ontario. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, Wednesday, October 2nd, season begins with a visit from the Ottawa Senators. Then they travel to Columbus to play the Blue Jackets on Friday. And then the next night, they're back at home to face Montreal. And then on the 7th of October, it's always good when the champs come to town. The Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the St. Louis Blues. And then to kind of close off their opening week, uh, even though it's technically after that, the Lightning come to town. The Lightning are, themselves are going to have to answer a lot of questions about exactly what happened and where they can do to improve. No. Although I like it. That does seem I, like an interesting opening week for sure. Yeah. But before we really, you know, get into all the, the details and things of like that, um, this whole Austin Matthews controversy. Yes. We need okay. To talk about that, I think. Let's let's get into this for a minute. Where exactly uh, it happened? Like, what city? Does anybody know, or at least what state? I believe it. it uh, Scottsdale. It was in Arizona. Okay. So this was this happened during the off season, uh, just after the off season, uh, back in May. Um, Matthews was apparently Matthews faces a charge of disorderly conduct and disruptive behavior. According to this woman who was a, I believe a security guard for an, an apartment complex. Uh, what had happened was she was sitting in her locked car at about two in the morning doing paperwork when a group of men, including apparently Matthews, tried to get into the woman's locked car. Um, just a little note out here. Um, don't do that at all, especially in this day and age. Like... Obviously, don't do it ever, but especially in this day and age, like, do you really want to run that risk? Yeah, this podcast does not um, condone that sort of behavior. No, definitely not. So, apparently, what happened was, I guess, the woman says 
the pressing a charge against Matthew says she may not have pressed the charges if her description of events was taken more seriously by Matthews's family. Uh, apparently, Austin's father was skeptical about the incident. And I get it. You don't want to believe that your child is capable of these things. I get it. But at the same time, like, if this happened, you know, th if, if this happened, then, you know, Austin is 22 years old. Yeah. He was, he was drunk. He doing it? I don't, I haven't heard him say he hasn't done, like he didn't do it. He's the, Austin has basically come out and said he plans all. Uh, hold on, I want to see. Also, was alcohol see if he... a factor? I think it was. I think I heard it was, but I'm not sure. Uh, yes, but at, but that's not an excuse. No, of I'm course sorry, not. but that's not an excuse. Of course not. not but anyways, excuse. I will be right back. I have to step out for a quick second. Yep. So, Matthews said that he's made a mistake. And he intends on moving on from it. I believe he plans on handling it in his own way. Basically, he's gonna let he's gonna make his lawyers earn some money because it doesn't look like uh, he's gonna be suspended at least at this current time. Um, now watch. Now that I've said it, <laughs> because that's the way this happens. Now that I've said it, he probably will face some sort of punishment from the league. It's hard to say because, you know, all of this is still very much ongoing. The worst part about this is, in my opinion, it's not the everything else. Like, it is bad. Don't get me wrong. But when you're a star player and you're in a position where you might be the captain, if something like this were to happen, don't you think you should have told someone in management about this yeah, because Kyle standpoint, the worst part of this was how he handled it with his team yes because i can't believe that kyle dubas learned about this through twitter he matthews didn't even approach him matthews didn't talk to him about this until after the news broke like, way to drop a bombshell on your team. Like, you know, we're living in an age right now where Antonio Brown is being public enemy number one and two and three and four on several counts. Yeah, but, right like... Now, fans have to be grateful that friggin' Antonio Brown exists. How much of the do you think is being taken off Austin Matthews and what he did by Brown's existence? Oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine. Could not even imagine how uh, how much more this would be magnified if it wasn't for Antonio there Brown. Both of the Kane incidents with Evander and Patrick. They got kind of railroaded. Austin Matthews is essentially getting a free pass because Antonio Brown exists. Probably. And, uh, you know, obviously... We all hope this comes to some sort of peaceful resolution. And again, don't find yourself in this situation, people. Just, just don't. Yeah, don't do paperwork in the car, okay? Just, 
Wait, I went the wrong direction, didn't I? You went in the complete wrong direction, but that's okay. Uh, well, it's not okay. Just, just don't do don't, it. Don't um, do it. Don't be that guy. Don't be Austin Matthews and his friends in this scenario. Yeah, and... It's just very hard now to see. Because two weeks ago, you ask anybody who will the next captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs be, unanimously, the answer would have been Austin Matthews. Now? I'm not sure. You know? Now nobody Now it's like, uh, do we really want to make the captain, the guy who gets drunk and tries to open women's car doors? Do we really want to make the captain someone who doesn't talk about anything going on with the team like after, after dropping his pants in front of a security guard yeah it's it's just very it wouldn't be a good look for toronto who i who i think we all know is one of the more progressive cities not just in north america in the world right now so right now a lot of eyes are on toronto like come on do it we dare you you know what i mean so right now there's a tourist organization in Toronto going don't please for the love of God don't do this to us. Pretty much. Uh, so right now it looks like it's going to be between John Tavares, who has been captain before with the New York Islanders, knows very much what it would be like to be the captain, and if there was ever such a thing as a defensive captain in the Toronto Maple Leafs, it would be Morgan Riley without a doubt. I mean, it's been like that for the last few years, but even now, um, I feel to go with Tavares. Okay, that I think it's going to be Tavares as well. Although I would prefer Morgan Riley, uh, and that's not even because of the tenure or anything like that. I think it's just because he's more well known and well liked. Well. It, Obviously, everyone knows who John Tavares is. Don't get me wrong about that. But, you know, in terms of you look at the team and just the team, let's say the team exists in its own little bubble and there's 30 other bubbles around it. You look at just the Leafs bubble, the most tenured person there is Morgan Riley. He has stuck through them thick and thin and has always done his best to represent the team in a strong manner. Uh, I think Morgan Riley... I don't want to say he's earned the captaincy because nothing, nothing is necessarily given or earned in the league. Is you got to take it. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, and I, I think. That. Uh, well, that's all Matthews was trying th- to was trying to take it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think. So. We gotta. We gotta shift to. Mitch Marner for a minute, just back to Mitch Marner. And we've all said that he is going to be the domino that falls, the the first domino to fall. And in a lot of ways he was, but not in the way that people expected. I think a lot of people were waiting for him to like set the dollar amount, set the figure so that teams could kind of, so that individual players can kind of do the math. And basically all this has done is, show how easy it is 
for Toronto to bend. Not necessarily break, but, you know, how easy they are to basically give in. Because, you know, we see Braden Point, two years, six some odd million dollars. Um, Miko Rantanen signing for, I think it was like 7.9 or 6.9 or something like that. You know, it's it's gone to show just the inexperience, I want to say, of Kyle Dubas in terms of contract negotiations. Well, see, that's not entirely true, though, because there's one thing the people you just named don't have in common with Mitch Marner that sets Mitch Marner apart from everybody else you just named. The only person on that list that is one of the best players in hockey right now is Mitch Marner. I mean, we all talk about how stats make a difference, right? We always talk about how stats are the only quantifiable thing in the game, regardless of how they get to a certain amount of points or whatever. I'm just going to bring up last season's numbers for Braden Point and how his current contract is like, it's ridiculous to think why isn't he getting more? So last season, Braden Point in 79 games scored 41 goals and got 51 assists for 92 points. He plays he plays center, but he scored, you know, just two points less than Mitch Marner, but practically double the goals. And I've always said goals are really the only thing that matters. And the whole points, the assists and points thing, it's a little hard to figure that out. Just in terms of how much that buys in. The problem with saying only goals matter is without the assist, a lot of those goals never happen. Assists are equally as important to goals, just in that grounds alone, that without the assist, a lot of goals will never happen. At the same time, though, you know, it's not like referees are saying, oh, you know, 32 scored, but scored the goal, but 46 and 97 uh, helped out with that. So it's worth three, you know, yeah, okay. Look in at terms of in terms of the in terms in terms of the scoreboard, one goal with no assists is worth the same as one goal with two assists. Yeah, but look at Wayne Gretzky. A lot of his a lot of his assists came from like shots he took and smacked off somebody else and bounced into the net, which is essentially a goal he gave away. Sidney Crosby does that all of the time. So, are you saying that those goals count for the other person? I mean, nothing for Crosby and Gretzky because of how they did it. See, I don't want to go that far. I'm just not sure exactly where you draw the line of how much it should and shouldn't count. I think if you're looking at contract negotiations, they count, but not as much as goals. And they you know have what I mean? Count, they have to count almost as much, though. You can't draw a line and be like, well, I'm, four assists is worth one goal or two assists. Like it's, you can't like have a ratio like that. You've kind of got to go, X amount of points is just worth X amount of points. That's points do help contribute to your team. It's it's very rough to try to figure out 
exactly what's going on in terms of everything. Because, again, point, you can make the argument that maybe 2 point, I think it was like 2.675 or something like that, that's what he's got. Uh, you know, you look at Miko Rantanen, and again, someone who has said, oh, I'm going to wait for Marner to sign. Here's what he got last season. In 74 games, he got 31 goals and 56 assists. So he's probably pretty close to Marner in terms of what he can bring to the table. And again, it's the it's practically the same thing where he's like, oh, I want Marner money, but then he signs for about $2 million less for... I think it's like the same amount of time. You also got to look at career stats as well, though. How do their careers match up? A lot. Let's let's put it this way: if it was based purely on NHL career, I'd empty out. The, I'd probably empty out the vault for Rantanen before Marner, just because he has. Because Rantanen has two eighty-plus point seasons. Marner's only had one. Yeah, but like what I'm so saying anyway, is... It's like, okay, look at it this way. For career stats, okay? Go by points. Marner has more points than Austin Matthews. Mm. I'm not saying Marner's a better player than Austin Matthews, obviously. But you kind of have to take how their last season one and how their career is like has gone. You kind of look at how their future is going to progress. Nobody else you've named can you do that and then look at Marner and go, they're equivalent players. And I think just going back and looking at the contract, seeing how just how much money the Leafs will not have to sign Matthews and Nylander when they come up in five years, Marner and Tavares when they come up in in six years. I'm just going to look right now in the 2023 to 2024 season, assuming that the cap does not change, which of course it will. It wouldn't surprise me if it was close to $90 million at that point. Uh, as of right now, their cap space as of right now for that year is $41 million. Is that a lot of, is that a lot of money to split between two players and then the rest of a team? Absolutely. So I think right now, Matthews and Nylander. Oh, wait a minute. I was looking at the wrong numbers. Damn it. 2024, 2025. That's what I wanted to look at. There we go. Why didn't anyone stop me before? They have nearly $60 million in cap space at that time. Provided there's no changes. Um, but, of course, the only players they'll have signed to a contract as of right now is John Tavares and Mitch Marner. So, obviously, that's a problem for six years from now. Obviously, Matthews and Nylander are going to be very much in their primes, and they're going to be worth a considerable amount more. Hopefully. Let's hope. Uh, 
you know, and everyone's going to be like, okay, so they they sign, <clears throat> let's say they sign Matthews and Nylander. Then all of a sudden there's no money left for Tavares and Marner. Not necessarily so. A lot of people are forgetting that Tavares is going to be 35 years old in the 2025-2026 season. He is not going to be an $11 million player anymore. He will probably be four or five million. And where's that extra seven, eight million gonna go? It's or six, seven million gonna go? It's gonna go into Mitch Marner's pocket, more than likely. So he'll be he'll end up making potentially like 16, 17 million at that time. Maybe. Again, that's provided that he keeps up this point pace. You know, like, is that is that a little strong to assume he's going to be making that much money down the line? Yeah, it's a little strong to assume that at this moment. But let's assume, you know, it's six well, years from now. Be wrong. He won't be. Sorry? It would also be wrong to assume he won't be. As of right now, it's too soon to say. But I'm sure that they've done the long-term thinking. and They're basically going to split the difference between what Tavares is making now and what he might be making if he stays with the team in six years and just be like, here's a mountain of money, Mitch Marner. You know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, I don't think Tavares stays in six years. I think he retires in six years. Honestly, I, at 35 years old, he'll have hopefully he's up. He's done. Yeah, at 35, he might get like a two or three year deal, maybe. But he'll definitely be on a decline. That 11 million dollars is going to look like an anchor. Uh, but hopefully, in that time, hopefully in that time, he'll have won the team a cup. Hopefully. Hello. I know. It's nice to, it's nice to hope. So can we just jump back to this season for a second? I know you guys on the last podcast talked about who might be getting the C for this season. Now, I definitely had to agree with what you guys both said. And, like, you know, Morgan Riley, I think he more than deserves it also. And, um, I mean, with this whole controversy going around, if, you know, nothing escalates from it, then, you know, Austin Matthews might end up still getting the C. See, Matt and I were talking about that, and I'm just going to get you up to speed right now. Since Toronto is a very progressive city, it doesn't matter if it happens now. It doesn't matter if it happens at Christmas. There will still be some people outraged without decision because of, A, how he handled the situation. A, the situation, period, and B, how he handled that situation professionally. Right. So we're, th we're thinking it's probably going to be Tavares just because he has that captain experience. He knows what that takes. But I said out of the two, I prefer Riley. That makes sense, too. I wouldn't be upset with Tavares getting it because, again... He's just that guy, you know? He knows what's expected of him. Uh, Matt, you want to just reiterate your points once more? 
No, I forgot what they were. <laughs> so, I'm looking at this team in general, and we'll know more what the final team will look like after they've done enough to make themselves cap compliant. I don't think we're going to be looking at a 20... What's the limit? I don't think we're looking at a 24-person roster. I really don't. I think we're going to look at something like 21 or 22. So that way, when Hyman and Dermot are back in full force, there's enough space there so that their addition doesn't cause a, a subtraction. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. This year is their best chance. I really think this year is their best chance to go deep and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, knocking on wood, all that, all that jazz. Uh, but I think this is their last best chance for a little while. Cause if they don't do it this year, then they're going to be in trouble just to be able to afford to put a team together. See, honestly, I want to see you guys not make the playoffs just because I want to do this podcast when you guys don't make the postseason. Yeah, well, that's, that's a just, thing, too. That's just the Matt wants to see the world burn part of me saying that. Like, I don't see any scenario where you don't make the postseason this year other than I want to see it happen. Yeah, I think what's gonna what would happen is Freddie Anderson basically gets his arm chopped off somehow. Um <laughs> And then half the offense just, you know, collapses. And then, of course, there's the chance that this year's defense will be worse than last year's somehow. Uh, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen this year. But I will say... I'm going to say this. At this year's defense will be worse than last year's. But they're going to make up for it by being far more... Um... Aggressive? No, um, consistent. And that's what we need more than anything. Exactly. It's going to be slightly worse, but you're going to be far more consistent, which is what's going to help you out. So I'm going to ask you, Matt, before we sign off, looking at this team, top to bottom, let's forget all the money for just two minutes. Okay, money off the table. Right look now. At money off the table. Look at just the team right now as we've seen them grow in the offseason. Is this the year they get over the hump? Not necessarily cup, just second round. I think it could be. Yes, okay. if you think it could be. I think, you know what? <laughs> right now, I've just got nervous optimism i think is the best way for me to describe this team like i uh, won't because... say i'm not willing to say it will be because we haven't seen enough of their defense and how they're going to work together and stay together but i do think this is your best shot to do it that you've had in a number of years we will revisit this obviously as the season goes on um It'll the biggest test, I think, of their readiness, the biggest test that they're going to have early on in the season is going to be on October 19th 
when the Bruins come to town. I think that's going to be the biggest test early on of their readiness. Because that's the game that they're going to need to make a statement for. The rest of the games beforehand, they don't matter. Granted, that'll be their ninth game of the season, and you could say that even the Bruins game won't matter. But that game, either way, is going to send a message to the rest of the league of where this team is. And with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of the Leafs podcast with no name. Uh, I would like to apologize for the length of time between that podcast and this one. Uh, We've just had a lot of scheduling issues. I would like to be able to get into some sort of regular routine, I say, as I'm about to go out east for two weeks. (laughs) Uh, But we'll figure that out in good time. We'll figure it out in good time. But for now, for Robbie Diltz and Matt Labonich, this has been the Leafs podcast with no name. Thank you for listening. Good night, guys.